Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. There are many things about which we can agree. Uh, Steve was right that there are things that we disagree about, many things that divide us. But I'll tell you one thing that I think unites all of us. We can all agree on this. We don't like selfish people. Most of us don't like selfish people because we just don't want to talk about them all of the time. We don't want to do all the time what they want to do. And it seems like selfish people just don't like you. They don't like me. They like themselves. And so we don't want to be around people that we consider to be selfish. We can all agree on that concept. However, the title, if you looked at this title for today, it might sound a bit selfish, doesn't it? The title says, God wants you to pursue what is best for you. That is, those are the words of verse 15 in our reading for today. But I think we can all agree that that's not a selfish thing. And even though God said through Paul, I want you to pursue what is good for you, I also understand if we look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there are a couple of verses there that seem to say the exact opposite. Like verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each the other's well-being. And listen what Paul said in verse 33 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. All of a sudden now, someone might look at these things and say, oops, we have a problem. On the one hand, Paul tells the Thessalonians, I want you to pursue what is good for you. And on the other hand, he tells the Corinthians, I don't want you to look out for your own. I want you to look out for others' well-being. And he said, I even do that. Well, we either have a contradiction or we don't really understand the nuances that keep it from being that. So, how do we harmonize these two ideas? How do we put together the one thing that I'm supposed to go after, pursue, that word, pursue, is the same word used for those who were going after to persecute Christians. That's the word. To go after it with intent. Go after it with energy. Go after it with fervor. How am I supposed to go after what is good for me? And yet also hear where Paul said, don't seek your own well-being, but the well-being of others. I need to put these two together. Well, first, we can all agree that God wrote both of those. 
God said, pursue what is good for yourself. And God also said, do not look out for your own well-being, but the well-being of others. And since I know that God sent them, then I know that there is a way to understand it so that it is not a contradiction. Those are the very kinds of things that people who don't appreciate the Bible... People who don't appreciate God, those are the very kinds of things that make them look at it and go, see, it's a contradiction. You can't put them together. Oh, but I would disagree. Paul was not telling each of them two different things. He just was emphasizing different parts of the same thing. I believe that there's an answer to this. I believe what harmonizes these two things is this idea that we are unalterably connected to other people. There is this connection that we have, us and others, you and me. This connection that puts us together is a connection that we find from the beginning of time right on to the end. And it was a part even of the Mosaic law. For in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is approached by a lawyer who, because of his training, would ask questions and delve into topics in the Old Testament. And so this lawyer came up to Jesus one time and said, Good Master, what is the greatest commandment? And of course the answer is, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You shall present yourself to God that way. Love Him first. And the lawyer said, You're exactly right, good Master. You have said the truth. Without being asked, Jesus went on in verse 39 to say, And the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In the Old Testament and now in the New, God made an unalterable connection between all of us with all of us. What did Jesus say? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can I love my neighbor properly if I don't love myself? Will I do what is best for someone else properly if I don't do what is best for me? In fact, it sounds a bit hypocritical, doesn't it, to say, well, this is best for you, but I'm going to keep myself from it. I think you should do that, but I'm going to do this. And oftentimes, that is a very selfish way of handling it. It is a very selfish way of saying, I want this, but I'm expecting you to have that. What does Jesus say? Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Is it then true that these two concepts, pursue what is good for you, do not look after your own well-being, 
is actually understood as we are connected together and Paul is emphasizing a different portion of that in the context of where he's writing. I think that is the truth. I think then what is going on in Thessalonians in that passage, he is not saying that you should be selfish. He's not saying that you should just disregard everybody else and pursue what is good for you. Selfishness. He's not saying that. In fact, it's the opposite. By doing what is best for you is a selfless act of making yourself better for other people. I think that's the harmony of these two texts. But now, let's take the First Thessalonians passage that was read for us, our text for today, and let's dig into it to understand what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians. He said, pursue what is good for you. Well, I want to mention, I think this text for our purposes today can be divided into three ideas that Paul told the Thessalonians, this is what I want you to pursue. Let's begin in verse number 12. The first thing Paul said to the Thessalonians, and therefore he is saying to us, and let me make an addendum, unintended, just thought of it, an addendum for just a moment. We all need to understand there was nothing in Scripture written to me or to you. He was writing to the Thessalonians. But everything in Scripture was written for me. When God wrote Scripture, He was writing to those people in their situation. And He expects us, by learning from that situation, by learning from their circumstance, to apply it to ourselves. And that's what God said. He said he was writing to them so that I can learn from them how to make my life better. So what did he say to them? Number one, pursue submission. Verse 12, recognize those who labor among you, those who are over you in the Lord, those who admonish you, those who look out for you, you need to learn to submit to them. Recognize who they are. And that doesn't mean be able to go to a board and pick their faces out in a crowd of six. This idea means to give recognition. And the way you recognize someone who is over you in the Lord is to submit to them. And in so doing... They will admonish you. They are encouraging you. They are strengthening you. It is their job to take care and to be your spiritual support. Verse 13, esteem them very highly. Why? Because of the work that they do. And be at peace among yourselves. I would say the primary focus of these verses seems to be that God is telling the Thessalonians, Paul instructing them 
to pursue being submissive people. Those who are over you in the Lord. Now the primary emphasis is probably those who shepherd the local church. It may also include parents raising children in a spiritual environment. But I think the extension could also be made that we are to recognize those who are over us in regards to the Lord's commands. Therefore, that would include the government. That would include police. That would include those who have authority, teachers in a classroom, uh, presidents, uh, mayors. It doesn't matter. Anybody over us in the Lord. The primary intention, I believe here, has to be the spiritual oversight. But it would certainly seem to include anyone following the Lord's commands. So, if I'm supposed to pursue what is good for me, well, how is submission good for me? If Paul is telling them, I want you to go after, I want you to pursue it, I want you fervently to go get it, I want you to learn to be submissive, how does submission help me as a child of God? How is it good for me? Notice, if you will, 1 Peter chapter 5. And we begin at verse number 5. Peter said, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. First thing I need to learn is that to be submissive is good for me because it calls God's attention to me. You remember when your children were young and they wanted you to pay attention to them? You remember what they would do? Or maybe they still do it and you see it in your grandchildren. I have grandchildren, young, and I'll be talking to someone and they will intentionally stand between me and that person so I can't see that person. I got to see them. They want my attention. In fact, some children even act out in ways that are not appropriate just for the purpose of getting the, the attention of their parents. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, let me ask you this. Don't you want God's attention? Don't you want God's favor toward you? The more we learn to be submissive, the more we get God's attention. Because God is looking for humble people. And God honors humble people. And He will exalt those who are humble. Being submissive is good for me. Therefore, I should go and pursue it. 
And there may not have been a time at least more drawn out in my lifetime than the year 2020, learning to be submissive. It's a good trait that we all should pursue. Number two, in verse 16, pursue confrontation. Now, I know that word sounds a little bit negative. It almost sounds like you're going to get up in somebody's face and you're going to furrow your brow and it's not going to be fun and good. That's not the confrontation I'm talking about. There are people who just don't want to be around people. They don't want to get involved with people. Well, I understand being shy. I understand being closed off a bit. But I have to remember this. God made us as social people. So look what he says. I want you, he said, pursue this idea. Pursue the idea of confronting people where they are and helping them with what they need. Warn the unruly. Comfort those who are faint-hearted. Uphold those who are weak and can't stand on their own. Be patient. Do not render evil to anyone. Confront people where they are with what they need and try to help them. That's what I think Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. So what is he saying? He's saying it is good for you to learn to be confrontational, not in the negative way, but in the way of saying, I want to be involved in your life in whatever way I can to help. The Thessalonians needed to be people who were cognizant of the needs of others. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what God wants us to do. There are people who need to be corrected because they're out of order. We need to do it. Were you ever as a child corrected in a a public setting by someone who was not your parent? Was that wrong? I don't think so. Is it wrong today? Of course not. People who are unruly, who are out of rule, need to be helped. Those who are faint need comfort. Those who are grieving, those who are weak, need to be able to be standing up strong and to have something to to ground them well. Paul is just saying, look, I want you to confront people where they are and help them with what they need. And you know what? It's good for me to do that. Because when I learn to be confrontational, when I learn to be in people's lives, when I learn to seek out and help where they are with what they need, it is calling me and my attention to my mission. Jesus gave a mission before he left in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Jesus told his disciples before he left, you go out and you spread the message. That's the mission. Because in spreading the message, they were spreading the message of going and spreading. And eventually it gets to you and me. We're thankful that somebody taught us the gospel.
We're thankful that somebody shared it with us. That's our mission. And remember what Paul said of himself in 1 Corinthians 9 and 22. I've become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. We must pursue others. It's good for us to pursue them. Finally, third, starting in verse number 16, Paul looked at these Thessalonians and he said, I want you to pursue stability. Go after it. Be stable in your relationship with God. Be someone who rejoices all of the time. Don't ever stop praying. Be a thankful person every moment of your life. Don't quench the spirit. Don't keep it from operating him from operating in your life. Granted, he's talking in, in some respects to a miraculous age when they should not despise prophecies. But it applies to us because the Spirit lives within us and works in us. I don't know every single little detail and how the Spirit works, but I know He's not dead. I know He's not inactive. I know He is active. And therefore, I don't need to turn Him off. I don't need to dim His influence. I need to listen to it and hear the message that comes from Him. And when I do that and I'm willing to test everything that I hear and everything that I read and then turn myself from those things that are evil, I am pursuing stability. Well, now, how is stability good for me? I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, I want you to pursue, go after fervently what is good for you. And it is good for me to be submissive to confront those in need and help and to be stable in my relationship with the Lord. That is good. But I want to close by putting all of this together. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in the text that we were reading where Paul said, don't look for your own well-being he said that he didn't do that. He was looking for the well-being of others. But if you look at chapter 11 in verse 1, as the text is divided, probably that verse should have been verse 34 in chapter 10, honestly. It says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Was Paul saying, don't do, I don't do what is good for me? No, he wasn't. In fact, he was saying... I do what Christ wants me to do, and I'm going to help you to do what Christ wants you to do. You know what I think is going on in this text of 1 Thessalonians 5, 
I think this is Paul's way of restating and being very practical and specific what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Pursue what is good for you. Be submissive because that's giving yourself to God, loving Him, and that gets His attention. Confront those in need and help them with those needs. That helps me to understand my mission, focuses my attention there. And third, be stable. It focuses my mind on the main enemy that I have. And I need to prepare myself to fight that enemy. In fact, what Jesus said and what Paul said is the will of God for you and me. And it's God's will that you do what is best for you. Because when you pursue what is good for you, you make yourself a better person for everyone else to help and encourage and strengthen them. I hope this message on God's will for you to pursue what is good for you has been helpful. And let us learn to put ourselves under God and in with others so that we can be who we should be to help them. Tonight, join us, if you will, as we think about more specifically how does the will of God operate in my life. But for now, I hope this message has been helpful. And if there's something that you need for us to do for you, to pray, to be involved with you, a question you might have to answer or to ask, we're here to help you always. Thank you for joining us today. May God bless our country. May God bless our church. May God bless each and every one of us as we put ourselves in the will of God. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.